Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yes, we do. And sometimes we have regrets about the position that we've put ourselves in when we're talking about songs. I'm your co-host, Sarah D. Buntig, and uh, I am here with the math-tastic Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark. Let's go do some math. Everybody likes it when you add. Or maybe we can then divide and then we can subtract and that would be nice. <laughs> I, what I heard was, let's do some meth, and uh, that might be necessary with these rankings. Uh, listeners, in case you're brand new, we are in smack dab in the middle of the Lilith Fair 40 season. This is episode five. We are contemplating the 25 Lilithiest songs of all time, but we've got five new ones joining the fray today. Mark, can you run down which songs we're hearing and contemplating for the first time? Yes, so for the very first time this week, we will be discussing Let Him Fly by Patty Griffin, A Long Walk by Jill Scott, Love Fool by The Cardigans, which I will say is one of the songs that earned me money on Name That Tune, sidebar, (laughs) Uh, Lucky by Biff Naked, and My Sister by the Juliana Hatfield Three. And again, if you are new here, we will be ranking these songs today, and we will be ranking them alongside the other 20 songs that have already entered this competition. But we will only be discussing these newbies. And Sarah, for those who might not know, how do we do the rankings around here? Well, what we do is, in the entire list, which is now 25, we assign a point value based on how Lilithy it is. So in my list of 25, the Lilithiest song will receive 25 points from me. The second most Lilith song will receive 24 points and so on down the list. I assign these point values. Mark assigns these point values. And with the help of polls on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash you, the listeners slash Patreon supporters, also assign these point values Mark auto-magically does some math at the end, (laughs) and then we have our refreshed ranking of, again, we're in the top 25 today. We need your help to do this. I This episode wasn't so bad, but in our next episode, I might actually die (laughs) trying to rank these. We need your help. Patreon.com slash Mastass. We would love to have you be a paid supporter. We have a lot of fun. You can come to the happy hours, and you will get to vote earlier than gen pop in these polls but as long as you have a patreon account you can participate again patreon.com slash please join us we have a great time when we're not bemoaning our life choices as we may be in today's episode are we ready to begin okay yes so first up we have patty griffin's let him fly and longtime listeners of the show might remember that we did an episode I think like maybe 18 months ago on the song Making Pies, which comes from a later album of Patty Griffin's. But Let Him Fly is from her 1996 album Living With Ghosts, which was actually just a series of demo recordings that she turned into her record company to then figure out how to turn that into a full album. But the demos, which were just her voice and a guitar, were so strong that they released them as they were. 
Uh, later in 1999, the Dixie Chicks, or now The Chicks, recorded Let Him Fly for their album Fly, and that pushed Patty Griffin into the river of country songwriters. Uh, (laughs) So we praise all of the money that she has made from having people do that, cover her songs. And uh, Sarah, what I will say is that in 1997, take your mind back, Titanic had taught us how to love. (laughs) Men in Black had taught us how to laugh. Uh, I was a college freshman in the fall of 97 and my friend Amanda ran or had a show on the college radio station at Emory University and I was walking past the station uh, in the basement of whatever dank building it was in and heard <laughs> It's always this... in the basement of a dank building. Yes. It's always it really like, is. you losers with your boots. <laughs> oh, it just smells like the 60s down there. <laughs> yes. Yes, many fond memories of sitting on the couch outside WPRB's DJ booth while my then boyfriend was doing his jazz show and being like, I, there are diseases that the World Health Organization has eradicated (laughs) that are still alive on these couches. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, Emory has on its campus the CDC and I'm pretty sure that they sent a couple of hazmat teams into the radio station on our campus to just figure out what had happened to polio (laughs) and other such things. Interesting. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Huh. I thought this disease got eliminated in the 18th century. Interesting. Sophomore pox. (laughs) Sophomore pox. (laughs) We haven't seen this one since 1939. Oh, Lord, looks like someone pulled an all-nighter, if you know what I mean. What? (laughs) No, Dr. James, we don't know, and that's why you shouldn't make jokes. You're right. I'm sorry, Nurse Williams. Okay, so... (laughs) This is already completely off the rails. Like, it hasn't seen a train in days. (laughs) Hello! At this point, the train is just going through a herd of startled buffalo who had set out a picnic because they didn't know humans were going to make it out this far. And then they were like, It's one of the trains that they put in the... In the harbor for fish to live in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So point being in the dank basement of the Emory University radio station in the fall of 1997, my friend Amanda was playing this very song, Let Him Fly, on her show. And the sound of Patty Griffin's voice quite literally stopped me in my tracks. I stopped walking so that I could listen to the sound of her voice on this song. So for me, Sarah... We'll get into its Lilithness in a second. This song is hugely important from this period of my life because I then went on to buy this album, of course, and have bought many subsequent Patty Griffin albums. I've seen her in concert multiple times. I think that she is the bee's knees as a singer-songwriter. Uh, again, her Lilithness, we'll get to that. But first, let's hear a clip of Let Him Fly. There was really nothing to it to- I can see how this would stop you in your 
tracks. Well, and it was this exact part that you pulled. I mean, this this section ah. where she just fucking loses her mind. Oh, so good. Truly, we are pod married. Um, first of all, before I forget, I want to note that Living with Ghosts is, in my view, an extremely Lilithy title. <laughs> I mean, an album. and of course, it's a fully acoustic guitar and voice only album called Living with Ghosts. It, you're exactly right. Yeah, like absolutely the video would be from the uh, Michael Stipe wearing wings school of <laughs> mid-90s <laughs> peeling paint sets. Um, this, like, it's immediately the, you're immersed in the Lilithiness of the sound. Um, there's the audible fretwork. Um, and then the the lyric comes in and this is really such a deceptively simple um seeming construction mm-hmm. like there's an almost enfilade rhyme happening between and among the lines and the verses and uh it's like the verses are sort of very direct um dry and weary and then the chorus and the bridge are like painfully, sincerely oversung a little bit, like t- too much, uh, as we just heard. Um, but that kind of too muchness that is perfect for the song, they, they're they in conversation with each other. Yes. Um, in, the, that in a way that reflects the lyric and the story that's being told. Um, and... Then that last chorus gets a lot of um, her ambivalence, her like the false bravado, like all the sort of um, all the sort of uh, like debate, (laughs) internal debate is um, or emotional debate, I guess, is in that last chorus. Um, But it seems like you listen to it at first and you're like, oh, this is just a simple song about this impending heartbreak that she is planning to like drop it into gear with. But it's the construction is very, um, I mean, it seems foreordained in its complexity that then appears very simple. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's that kind of um, slightly depressed thinking woman's singer song writing with again, this acoustic sound is extremely Lilithy. And uh, so this is my third place song this week. Yes. 23 beautiful points. And I agree with you uh, on so many of these things. For one thing, Andrew, my husband, has spoken frequently about the lyrics in this song as being, for him, incredibly poignant because they do seem so simple but then if you think about them it's really packs a lot of emotional punch the line he references frequently is it would take an acrobat but i already tried all that so yeah. i'm gonna let him fly yeah and yeah like if you think about what the whole story of a failed relationship that she tells in those three lines like that's a lot happening there yeah and then the the twinning of an acrobat trick yeah with flight and then f- falling and all of the symbology that she doesn't even have to bother accessing because she just sort of like opens a window and lets it blow in. With yeah. The one uh. she's already used. Like it's, I mean, it's sort of like the experience of 
this is a big swing, but reading Toni Morrison and just being like, <laughs> I, yep. ca- I can't do that. And I'm not entirely sure I know how it was done, but I know that it was a lot fucking harder than she's making it look. And I'm just going to be glad that it exists and go do something else like law school, you know, <laughs> which is probably what I should have done. What an interesting uh, parallel, because it was in this same semester that I read Song of Solomon for the first time. Ah, And I remember being so startled by what was happening in that novel. And you're so <laughs> yeah. right that yeah. it just, it just seems so effortless. I remember there's a character who always wins in contests and there was something about the way that that character's extraordinary luck felt very magical that I thought, damn, this would be like a stupid sitcom joke, except here it's like profound and teaching me about the universe. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I also want to note that Patty Griffin was in Lilith Fair on the second stage, the season that she played. And I think that that is actually one of the reasons that she is incredibly Lilithy because that festival existed to shine a light not only on women who were already popular, but women who deserved to be noticed and mm-hmm whose musical excellence was perhaps never going to get mainstream attention without the support of something like Lilith Fair. And to me, the fact that Lilith Fair was able to help out Patty Griffin, who was also on the Lilith Fair album, the double album that came out, Mm -hmm. that to me is just like all my sisters. I got all my sisters with me. I really like that too. So I agree with you about the, the, the sound the style and the approach of this song being very Lilithy. And then to me, that extra layer of just her being part of the Lilith machine in the way she was is also great. So that is why for me, this song is number five uh, and gets 21 points from me. And the listeners, Sarah, um, I'm going to say they, they're wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they, I had a feeling put, this might happen. They put Patty Griffin all the way down in 12th place, which means she only gets 14 points from them. And listen, listeners, this is fine. Everyone makes mistakes sometimes. And uh, we're not going to hold it against you, but we do want you to think about it. <laughs> yeah, just just think about it. And, you know. When you realize how wrong you are, let us know. <laughs> and if you, you don't have to, s- to apologize, but we'll take it. Just kidding. And if you want to write Patty Griffin an, an apology note, I would say just use use nice paper stock. Just to yeah. let me know you mean it. Use money. Write it on a twenty. <laughs> um, sorry, girl. Me and Benjamin Franklin say we're sorry. <laughs> You and George say you're sorry? Get I don't want to hear out that. Of here with that. Seriously. All right. Yeah. Take a long walk with that. Uh, are oh, we ready segue. to talk about our next song? Yeah. I th- so, what's, so what's up next? What's up next is A Long Walk by Jill Scott. And I really went on quite a long um, walk of my own with where to rank this. Yep. Because... I don't think I know quite how to express how I feel it is or is not Lilithy. So let's hear a clip and then why don't you talk about your process and maybe I will find somewhere in the rubble of my rankings the the words to explain what's going on with me and uh, Jill Scott. Okay. 
Or maybe we could see a movie Or maybe we could see a play on Saturday Or maybe we could roll a tree and feel the breeze And listen to a symphony Or maybe chill and just be Or maybe, maybe we could take a cruise And listen to the roots Or maybe eat some passion fruit Or maybe fly to the blues Or maybe we could just be silent Okay, I'm going to say, having just chastised the listeners, I know that I ranked this song incorrectly before we even begin. (laughs) Okay. Because I love this song so much that it obliterates my rational thinking as I'm listening to it. I think that Jill Scott is so effervescent and she's so confident and it makes me happy to listen to her music. And also, A Long Walk, which was her first single... Uh, from her first album, Who Is Jill Scott? Even that is charming. Um, This song is about looking at a man that other people might say is a scrub, to use the (laughs) parlance of the time, and saying, actually, I think you're great. Let's go fuck. And then, I mean, she says some other things, but we know what she's really talking about here. (laughs) And um, she's just so cool, and the lyrics are so specific and interesting, and the cadence of this song is so much fun. That said, this is a song that to me is emblematic of what was at the time termed neo soul. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it is hard for me to think of it as a Lilith song. And it's not because Jill Scott is a black woman. In fact, we've got some black women coming up in later episodes who I feel like epitomize Lilithness. Uh, well, we'll get to that. They are going to stomp the tent. Yeah. Yes. Um, in f- anyway, we're not we're not there yet. So I think, though, that this song is for me so rooted in another genre that was popular at the time that it's hard for me to describe it as a Lilith song, because if you said, talk to me about Jill Scott's music and where it positioned in the 90s, you would have to talk about Maxwell, The Roots, D'Angelo, Erica Badu, like you would talk about all yep. those people first. She name checks a few. In yes, this song. exactly. Yeah. And I think I remember as we were pulling together our 40 artists for this season that we actually hesitated over Jill Scott. But I do think that there is a singer-songwriter, folky, conversational quality to this song that does merit its inclusion in this season. Mm, And um, this is, I I errored, I made an error and put it at number 11, which is way too high, but I made the mistake of ranking it while listening to it. And like I said, it obliterated my... (laughs) It obliterated my sense. So it will never rank this high for me again. But for this week, Jill Scott, I wanted to take a long walk with you. 11th place, 15 points. Now, before uh, you dig in, Sarah, I will tell you that the listeners aren't having any of it. They put Ms. Jill Scott in dead last place, one point. Um, I get that. And that's that's where it sort of started for me, that I was like, this is sort of like... Get, you know, how do you rank this thing that isn't even like it seems at first listen so n- not on point for the project that it's like, uh, you know, this was my number carrot song. So let me. <laughs> this song is ranked. T- let me. <laughs> oh, 
Well, somebody's got to be plaid. Um, let me start by saying that the Revelation 317 um, reference refers to the following verse. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I, I don't understand why exactly this verse is used. Like, I I kind of do, but 319 would have scanned just as well. And that one is, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. <laughs> Listeners, that's talking about you and your Patty Griffin bullshit. Just kidding. Um, so this sounds not Lilithy at all like this is sort of neo soul like you said um this very sort of like almost like up on the up on the shoulder of um trip hop and Morchiba and stuff like that like this is something that i would have heard this is a track i would have heard at drag brunch on saint mark's place when it was when it was out absolutely but it is an extremely appealing Sunday afternoon hangover jam. Um, and it has a certain um, like emotional narrative lilithosity and the world that it builds is extremely evocative of like everyone filing into the actual festival itself and mm. sort of this like after lunch stoned on a sunny day feeling where you're like, I'm getting a sunburn, but I don't give a shit. And she's just like playing an 18 minute version of this song. And you're <laughs> like, like life is good. Life is good. I'm in the sun. I have cool sunglasses. There are feminist boys here. I'm content. Um, I, I am safe. I am full of scrambled eggs. And I'm not exactly sure how she does that while sounding the opposite of stereotypical Lilith product. Right. But that did manage to float her up a few notches for me, just because I can, I can imagine and conceive the, the world in which this is being played at Lilith fair. So, but she's still only 21st (laughs) for me with five points. Um, It's, it's a wonderful song. And I think it does have Lilith, like emotional top notes but i mean the sound is is tough and it's also kind of not sad enough probably to be lilithy but that's where i put it even that's probably too high i think that i think the users are uh, the listeners are a good corrective for us in this case but that's why they play the games that's right and uh i will the last thing i will add is that somewhere out there on the internet there is a video of her performing this where she takes off one shoe and just says, this is a one shoe jam. And she just sings the whole song with one shoe on. And it's so awesome. And I I remember seeing it on TV back when this song was first out and I've never forgotten it. Like a one shoe jam. That's just one of those, like that makes no and all the sense. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, that's exactly right. Okay. So next up we have the, uh, Swedish rock band, the cardigans. And 
You know, we've talked a lot, Sarah, about the soundtracks to various uh, teen-oriented television shows as being very Lilithy, but this is a song, Love Fool, that lets us talk about the Romeo plus Juliet soundtrack, mm. which is <laughs> also very Lilithy, if you ask me. It's just Lilith with a bit more of a disco feel, but, you know, you've got upcoming uh, episode uh contender Desiree on there with a very sad ballad you've got just you know it's just it's just a a, a Boz Lerman version of the Lilith Fair and you've got in the movie of course Claire Danes looking very wan and tragic um and wearing wings <laughs> and wearing wings oh, exactly. oh god um <laughs> and of course this song this uh that movie came out when I was in high school and oh my god it's like my it's like this movie and Immortal Beloved uh, I had some friends that we would we yes. would work ourselves up into the most demonstrative display into the most demonstrative hysterics about these movies. <laughs> of course, that's what they're for. I remember when I got the VHS of Immortal Beloved and I pulled the tape out, and inside was a reprint of the letter to the Immortal Beloved, and I gasped. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! And my parents were surprised when they found out I was gay. Anyway, yeah, I, that's. I mean, your parents are not stupid people. Sometimes I hear these stories, and it's like you actually had to have a separate conversation coming out to your parents. <laughs> I know, baffling. <laughs> um, so the Cardigans are uh, a rock band made of mostly men, but their yep. front woman Nina Person is most decidedly a woman and therefore I think she they make a good fit for this conversation because rock bands uh deserve to be in the group as we think about all of the things that Lilith represented because especially as the festival went on it certainly represented many 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 types of music on its stages uh Missy Elliott was there later um so I'm glad that we have a song like this this is definitely a an indie rock classic of the 90s here is a little clip of Love Fool not that anyone needs it because I think we could all sing and play all the parts but I'm not mad about that. it's so good it's so good and i mean her look in this video this is one of the most sort of uh, in a very sanitized way but one of the prettiest people in the world and she has that like shiny eyeshadow at the inner corners of her eyes it's so fucking 90s i can't (laughs) um and then the rest of the band is like it's just a lot of boys but they're all tall cute um, what's the what's the boy magazine that Lisa reads in the Sim- <laughs> non-threatening Simpsons? boys? <laughs> non-threatening boys magazine with a Corey on the front. I mean, they're <laughs> yes. all kind of like Swedish Corys. And these lyrics are like strangely. I mean, they're a little bit 
pitiable, but then also kind of dark sometimes. Like, I don't really care if you really care as long as you don't go. Like, that's that's kind of dark. And then it's like, love me, love me. <laughs> like, oh, okay, where where are we right now? Seriously. Like, Art, Nina, are you okay? Um, but the sound of this is so... It just feels very much more like turn of the millennium, Max Martin-esque, mm-hmm. um, like extruded factory, um, quote, sexiness that, again, non-threatening boy magazine, like a nice square neck tank top that is like it looks like it's short and doesn't cover much, but it's actually quite it's actually quite rated PG. So. I really like I struggled with where to put this because I like the song. I think it's emblematic of the time, but there is a um surfaceness to it that I think is not Lilithy. Um, and it's desperate to keep this boy and kind of effacing herself. And uh so it's eighteenth, eight points. But I'm interested to see what other people did with it because I feel like my sense of the Lilithosity of it is not is not going to track with other people's. Where'd you have it? Uh, no, actually, we're all in agreement. All three really? parties, all three voting bodies. The listeners put it in 14th place with 12 points. Uh huh. And I actually have it ranked lower than you. Wow. Um, I put okay. it all the way down in 21st, huh. which is five points for me because. I love this song, but I just, even though I'm the one who opened up this conversation by saying many genres of music were represented at the Lilith Fair, this to me is too Max Martin-y to be Lilith. Yeah. And listen, it's a subjective thing. And, but like, I love this song so much and I actually really like how boppy it is when it's also about being desperate and uh, kind of pathetic (laughs) <laughs> yeah no i like that too and i do want to note that it is a quirk of the charts in the late 90s that this song never made it to the hot 100 because it was never available to purchase as a standalone single therefore uh. it was not eligible to chart which is so stupid and they eventually fixed that but this song reached number two on the airplay chart so if it had been released as a single it almost certainly would have made the top three if not gone all the way to number one Right. So the charts in this period are actually very often telling the wrong story about what was popular in American music, mm-hmm. which for someone like me is very frustrating. But, you know, what can you do? It happened uh, over two decades ago. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, it's like me and truncated seasons of baseball. It's like yeah. he only had seven home runs. Oh, fucking 1981. God damn it. So, right. Yeah, exactly. I hear you. Uh, um, that being said, I do. The reason that this song wasn't all the way at the bottom for me is there is that darkness in there that is, I think Lilithy in the sense that ugly emotion is one of the things that Lilith is a safe space for. Mm-hmm. And so you look at this song compared to breathless by the cores, which is my perpetual last place finisher so far, at least. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that is a song that is pretty polished and about nothing really. It's just like mm-hmm. sort of, it's a shampoo commercial And though this song sounds like a shampoo commercial, it has that Swedish pop thing, which Robin would, of course, go on to do 
Tuvalu, yeah. like where you where you're dancing and you don't realize that the singer is like, I'm going to cut out your entrails. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> this shampoo contains absinthe. <laughs> So that's why I put it in 21st place. Now, um, Sarah, it's like soundtrack a palooza. Oh, my here. God. So, like, it, it really is going to be like Buffy versus everyone rumble. Oh, yeah. So tell us about the soundtrack cut that joins us now. This is Lucky by Biff Naked. Um, this is... Bet is remembered by me as featuring heavily in um, Harsh Light of Day, a fourth season Buffy, Buffy episode, which was the most like college thing ever, where she like has a sort of meet cute with Parker. And then there's this montage of them like boning down and it being really good. And she like imprints on him basically and thinks he's the guy. And to him, she's some girl. And uh, you just, you know, when you had the um, rare experience in college of having like decent sex that lasted longer than four minutes, you you sometimes <laughs> ascribed moment to that. And it's just good luck <laughs> with the with the fucking. So, um. This and then this video, which is like extremely dramatic and biff naked at this time with the like over dyed dark hair, Betty Page bangs, lip ring. There's a nighty. There's dark angels. It's just super melodramatic. But is it melodramatic in the right way to rank? Let's hear a clip and discuss. I mean, this is basically what this is Wednesday Adams like masturbating. I mean, <laughs> I think Biff Naked is great, and I think that her. Okay, wait. Before some, like, we can't we can't go any further. Before I say, clearly Wednesday Adams is masturbating to a picture of Christian Slater in Heather's that she has <laughs> of which she has gouged out the eyes. Yes. Yes. Yes, and she's okay. using the handle of a dagger. Yes. And I just, it's Christian Slater and Heather's eyes have been gouged out and maybe it's taped onto like a brochure from a funeral home. Something or like a, that. Or like a mirror that she broke and glued back together. Um, yes, exactly. This, this whole like extremely goth presentation, um, her weird vocalizations, um, 
there's like a lot of uncomfortable imagery, like, you know, the word lovemaking is used. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to vote for that. I'm a one issue voter and it's against that. Um, we, she has these weird, like hard R, um, locutions that are not, um, like your husband must just be like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing <laughs> this is everything they tell you not to do on like the first day of choir camp. Um, she is often like pitchy and out of control on that final like chorus where she's just like screaming, base or coming. I don't know what's happening. Right. Here, uh, honestly, <laughs> <my> <laughs> dad. should we leave? Like, <laughs> I would feel very lucky if this song ended because I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> but there's like there's just something so like messy first semester junior year poetry section where you're like i'm doing it i'm doing the sonnet about uh, self-harm and the whole rest of the section is like okay i wrote a poem about a shipwreck like the (laughs) folks this actually happened i um I just think that emotionally it's so Lilithy, yes. but it's also extremely like collegey and WB and um, it, it's on that other side of the two circles of the Venn. I think like I really struggled with where to put this and I don't think it's going to stay where it is necessarily, but um, it seemed like a the thing to rank it 13th. <laughs> And give okay. it 13 points because it seemed like um, that would be that number would be a lightning rod for Ms. Naked, who emotionally is not wearing a stitch by the end of this song. And what is more Lilithy than that? I ask you. And she calls herself Biff Naked. I mean, it's so Lilithy that you could just pass out in a Biff field with of one patrol. F. Biff. <laughs> La Bif. Um, I will say that of our entire season, this is the only song I had not heard before. Oh. And when I was listening to it, it reminded me of similar angsty lady power ballads like uh, Show Me Heaven by Maria McKee. Yes. And I don't know if you remember a song by the band Scarlet called Independent Love Song. Yes, I do. But actually. it's just like all these songs are of a piece to me. And if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you'll know that's a piece that I cherish. Uh, this song is so, so ludicrously over the top. And you're, and you're so right that by the end, she's like, I don't care what pitches and notes are. I have got to pour. I feel like she's probably pouring hot candle wax on herself while she performs this. She's, yeah. You can just imagine that there are giant screens flashing behind her that it's like a white background. And then in small black text, it just says things like pain, disappointment, broken, you know, like that it's that there's not even any grammatical symmetry among the things that are being projected. It's just like random, uh, random free association words of things that teenagers would write in their bad poems. Yeah. And occasionally like the anarchy symbol. (laughs) Yes. Lavender pen. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry to bring her up 
before her due, but this reminds me of the fact that on the back of her back in the fucking video for You Were Meant For Me, Jewel has that quote-unquote poem written on her back that says, he said I felt like home to him. And it's just, this is where we are at this point. Although I will say, (laughs) Jewel is the worst and Biff Naked is not. So there we go. Um, You know, you think that I would have six years ago gotten through my my jewel rage on this show, but it's, I can never get rid of it. It's a bottomless. Well, (laughs) anyway, uh, I think that this song is so Lilith. It's, it's just, it's the sophomore quality of it. The earnestness of it, the unexamined intensity of the feelings. Mm -hmm. This is exactly the song that you listen to after you gasp when the fucking pre-printed letter falls out of your immortal beloved VHS. (laughs) Uh, and then your parents ask if you're seeing any girls and you're like, why are you like this? And I'm like, do you mean women? <laughs> With a why? <laughs> Let me just say, too, that every time I listen to this song, I happened to be driving, which is exactly right, I think. And mm-hmm. this is a song mm-hmm. that is meant to be heard at an outdoor amphitheater when you and four other of your friends who were all about to go to college are wrapped arm in arm. Everyone's wearing tank tops. Everyone is crying. Everyone is screaming along by the end. And then when it's over, you wipe your eyes, you go to a Waffle House, and you just look at each other while you hold hands, and you say things like, you know, other people's friends fall away from each other, but we never will. Or, my parents Uh, uh, lost track of their friends, but we're not going to be like them. We're making the change. We're breaking the legacy. Like, this is what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And that is why, Sarah, I agree with you so fully. I put this song in 12th place. It is so Lilith. Uh, I'm so glad that I could bring this song into your life because. (laughs) Well, and listen, I am going to be listening to this one later. I I, sometimes this is exactly the kind of shit that I'm in the mood for. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I have this whole album. I haven't listened to it in a long time, but there are certain days like that first really rainy October day when everything is annoying, where Biff Naked, and look, she called an album I Bifficus. <laughs> Which I think is an, is one of the germs that the CDC found on the couch in the radio station. I, I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, she she makes this reference, but then strictly speaking, the Latin is not correct. <laughs> So, <laughs> so obviously she and I are kindred spirits and uh I'm sorry that we interrupted Wednesday Adams during a private moment but she brought this on herself. Do you understand oh, that every time I think I've gotten to the bottom of how much I love you you will tell me that the Latin in Ibificus is incorrect and then I realize <laughs> I love you three times more than I ever thought I could. Oh, for the record it should be Ibifica. <laughs> Which is, I think, what was in um, Motrin, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, no. Actually, I think that was the Victorian poison that they found in Tylenol. Right. <laughs> Did you know that case remains unsolved? Anyway, <laughs> we we can solve these rankings if we ever get through them. Shall we hear our last? Well, let me just add today? that the listeners apparently were mad about Ms. Naked's Latin. So they put this song in 22nd place and gave it a mere <gasps> four points. 
Wow. I know. They're, they're actually, y'all, you're wrong again. I, I mean, again, I know it's subjective, but also this, there are correct answers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need everyone to show their work so I could at least try to give partial credit. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> so next, <laughs> no partial credit. In this school, a 94 is an A minus. Get out. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the one who had to bring it up this time. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. Um, listeners, for those of you who are wondering what the hell that was about, in my high school, a 93 was a B plus, And we've been thinking about it with dropped jaws for a long time. I anyway. remain. I think this was revealed like four years ago on the podcast and I remain outraged on your behalf. Well, you know, earlier today, okay, this is such a sidebar, but this episode we've gone insane anyway. So (laughs) earlier today I was doing a workout video and it had a little progress bar at the bottom that was showing you the percentage of the workout that was completed. And I was actually thinking about us because when it got to 90%, I was like, damn it. If I had gone to another school, I would feel like I had an A on this workout, but I don't yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> so just in case you're wondering, am I giving myself a letter grade as I do workouts? Yes. Yes, I am. I mean, yeah. My question <laughs> would be like, could it go to 105% and I get extra credit so I don't have to do it again tomorrow? Yes. No. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so all of that said, Juliana Hatfield. Uh, Juliana Hatfield is one of those legendary indie rockers of the 90s. I would say that's a... She, she like she played on the, the Lemonheads album. I think she dated Evan Dando. She is referenced in a song by Bare Naked Ladies. Um, the song Jane references her. Yeah, she's um, in a bunch of songs. Matthew Sweet was like all over her... Yeah, and Shit she and vice versa, and whatever happened to that guy? But it's not I the Matthew Sweet season. But seriously, though, he was everywhere for a while, and then she yeah. had that song um, "Spin the Bottle," which I think was on the Reality Bites soundtrack. Yeah, and it's also on the My So Called Life mixtape, and she was in a My So Called Life episode, and I feel like that's part of that. I mean, I know it was an ABC show and not WB-ish at all, but I think it made the WB possible. So I just, for those of you who who don't appreciate what Juliana Hatfield did on My So-Called Life, not only was she in an episode, she was in a Christmas episode in which she played an actual angel who helped young gay Ricky Vasquez after his parents kicked him out of the home for being, out of his house for being gay. So when you want to talk about some fucking Lilith bona fides, there's oh. the fact that she was a very well-respected uh, indie musician who played on lots of cool albums and made her own cool songs. But she was an angel on My So-Called Life. Come on. Yeah. I I mean, I know that this episode is universally reviled. It's one of my favorites, Justice for So-Called Angels. But I still get chills thinking about Patty asking, how, how did you die? Still. Oh, God. I know. And then the choir at the end and Patty hugging Ricky and him sobbing. Oh, my God. I can't. I can't. I'm just going to say this again. In five years when you're finished with uh, Melrose Place, I will do whatever it takes to be a third again with this panelist for the 19 episodes of My So-Called Life. My God. Yeah, we should do that. 
Um, okay, so that takes us to My Sister. Uh, by uh, It's accredited to the Juliana Hatfield 3 because she had a band when she made the album that this song is on. And I remember I bought the cassette single and on the cover were two men in wigs and makeup but without shirts on. And one of the guys on the single cover had a very hairy chest and it really sparked a lot of confusing feelings in my nether regions when I was 13 years old. Doesn't sound that confusing. Sounds like Wednesday Adams would know exactly what to do. That. Actually, it wasn't confusing at all. <laughs> but this this song is a song that I liked uh, even as a young teenager. I think this song came out in like 92, 93. I apologize for not having that information right at my fingertips. I'll leave the podcast now. Let's listen to a clip of My Sister. forgot how just like good this song is Uh uh-huh the build of it is really good this is a little more aurally welcoming and less sort of pointedly atonal and angrily screechy than some uh jh3 shit um so i think we chose well um it's one of the few songs that passes the Bechdel test (laughs) like this is there are not boys except for like the violent femmes um, but even that, and the Del <laughs> like way, way to force that to scan. I stand. I have no choice. Um, there's no incorrect Latin. Also a plus. Uh, there's like that little mention of selling out. Um, it's like it's got an edge to it. Like it has that rock edge and there is some holleration at the at the end. We heard a little bit of it, but it's not. Um, it's like c- more controlled um, than usual. And it's like, it's an interesting structure because there's not really, a, there's not a chorus. There's just verses. Yeah. And then wailing and guitar. Um, and I, th- I don't think I really clocked this. I've heard the song conservatively 4,000 times. I, because it is on that, my so-called life mixtape, which ditto, I think there's a maybe dark reason for the sister leaving the family of origin. Mm. Like there are hints of it in a, in a middle verse. That's like, she's, you know, she doesn't let me hang out with her. She doesn't really let anyone in emotionally. And then the sister leaves and she was going to take juliana to her first all ages show which implies that they're both still like living at home and her sister you know moved out it's like why'd she go well i feel like maybe dad was touching her Mm. something else was happening like i think she ran away and i never kind of i never locked on to that and the reason that the reasons a younger sister might rationalize for older sister's um like hurtful 
behavior and abandonment shit that you sometimes feel with older siblings, I guess. I don't know. I am the oldest. So uh, that's really deft. And from Juliana Hatfield, who I think tends to be a little more um, brattily overt lyrically Mm. it's sort of interesting maybe i'm maybe i'm oversubscribing it um but between her whole thing like just her whole sort of cultural presence like she did that whole album of olivia newton john covers didn't she yes she did that's actually a lovely way for us to acknowledge that in uh shortly before we recorded this episode the wonderful olivia newton john died so we do honestly love you Much love to Olivia, who, of course, was featured in our uh, season on uh, WMST, Moist FM Songs, and who we talked about when we did uh, an episode on songs called Magic. So, Julie, I mean, Olivia Newton-John, heart you. And yes, I think it just further intensifies Juliana Hatfield's cool girl bona fides that she decided to do an entire album of Olivia Newton-John covers. Yeah. I mean, I didn't necessarily think it worked all that well. And I think we may have mentioned it in passing very early in the life of this podcast, but what a Lilithy thing to do. So um, this song for me is in seventh place with 19 points. I think Mm -hmm. that her whole vibe is very Lilithy. I think to have a song about your older sister is very Lilithy. And I'm actually a little surprised that we don't see a little more of that. Like more story songs that are not about some bro being a jackass. Um, so yeah, I mean, extra points for that. And it's just really good songwriting and construction as well. So uh, this is just making me think, if you are looking to hear songs that are about sister relationships, there's a wonderful country song that came out last year by an artist named Lainey Wilson, L-A-I-N-E-Y Wilson, called Two Story House. And the country lyric twist there is that they grew up in the same house, she and her sister, but they have two stories about what it was like. Oh, wow. So it's really good. Love it. Okay. Um, That's the only other song I can immediately think of that is about sisters. And in fact, one of the reasons that I love my sister in the context of this show is that it is about a relationship between two girls and It's so good, I think, at getting at how much you love and hate your older sibling at the exact same time. Mm -hmm. Like she's basically, you know, within basically one thought, she says, I hate this bitch, but I'd do anything to let her know I care. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, and also I have a crush on her boyfriend, like relatable. (laughs) Exactly. And it's just it's so honest and so in its way charming because it articulates those things that songs usually are not about. And uh, I want to note too, that I was correct. It came out in 93 and it reached number one on the alternative radio chart. So that's pretty fucking awesome. And obviously Mm -hmm. the reason that I knew this song is because it was on MTV all the time. It really was a big hit. Um, I think that that really makes this song very special. And for the purposes of this episode, I have gone ahead and put it in second place because I I think that the fact that she wrote a kick-ass song about, about her sister is so Lilith, like 
having the respect for that relationship that is required to write such a complex and thoughtful song while also giving it a hook that you want to keep singing and yet being interesting enough to never have a traditional chorus, as you noted, all of that to me is uh, very illustrative of why Lilith is a fair worth celebrating. There you go. And the patrons uh, agreed with us both. They put it in eighth place for this episode and nice. gave it 18 points. Yeah, I, and it's been stuck in my head for days now, and I'm just singing it to uh, random other two-syllable items and creatures. I love my, my kitten. She's such a bitch. <laughs> I miss my chocolate. <laughs> Why did I hate I the eat? cleaning? <laughs> Oh, okay. So, of cleaning through the magic (laughs) of editing, now there will be some interstitial music that I hope you will care to enjoy, even though I haven't selected it yet. While Mark and I do math. Right, we are back. So here's what we're going to do. We have ranked all 25 songs, and what we're going to let you know is where our newcomers arrived, and then we're going to read the entire top 10. So, A Long Walk by Ms. Jill Scott enters our countdown today at 21st position, and I will say that is largely because I ranked the song incorrectly, but here we go. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Next, our newcomer Love Fool enters the countdown at number 19. Um, Ms. Biff Naked, I Biffica, uh, enters the countdown at number 14 with Lucky. And now we get to the top 10. At number 10, it's Hand in My Pocket by Ms. Alanis Morissette. At number nine, it's He Thinks He'll Keep Her by Mary Chapin Carpenter. Number eight is Fucking Run by Your Friend and Mine, Liz Fair. (laughs) Now, coming in at number seven is Let Him Fly uh, by Patty Griffin. Sarah, I think that it is acceptable that she's in seventh place, although if the patrons had, or if the listeners had been correct, we would be, she would be higher, but what can you do? Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, coming in in sixth place is the Juliana Hatfield three with my sister. So we've got two new entries in the top 10 this week. And then we get a top five that, okay, interesting. So last week, come to my window was no. Oh, well, no, actually it's the mostly unchanged. So come to my window is in fifth place by Melissa Etheridge. Fourth place is Cornflake Girl by Tori Amos. Holding Strong in third place. Oh, this is interesting. So down one from number two last time, As Cool As I Am by Dar Williams. And moving up one is Galileo by Indigo Girls to number two. And holding on to first place for the second week is Lilith founder Sarah McLaughlin with I Will Remember You. But I think it's worth noting that only one point separates I Will Remember You from Galileo. So it is a very tight battle for first and second place right now. Yeah, I didn't have this experience 
as much certainly last season in terms of like re um like reorienting my list from previous rankings if that makes any sense like totally this season it's like okay these come in at a certain point and then i'm sort of like wait something has gone terribly wrong and we don't have enough numbers here and uh then i end up moving things around and that's definitely going to be true next week in episode six which like and it's also a problem where a lot of songs like a lot of episodes it's like there's two or three that are absolutely at the bottom and then another that are like why can't all of these be number one can we have a point fourth song help me so this is really fascinating and i think we're gonna see um a lot of movement within the chart that we weren't seeing last time i think i think that is a very fair prediction (laughs) that's what i will say yeah um all right our our little wednesday adams is um take a week go cut the eyes out of a christian slater picture carefully um and thank you so much for participating even though you were terribly rude to patty griffin and you need to write her a note on a finsky and send it right away um in the meantime please help us vote we love your comments at talk songs on twitter and of course patreon.com slash Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. I also edit the podcast, which is a proud member of the Believe Network. Learn more at BLEAV.com. To learn more about us, submit song requests, get a pop chart reading, or buy a Mastis book, visit our website at MarkandSarahTalkAboutSongs.com. You'll also find all of our social media links there, too. That's Mark and Sarah with an H, TalkAboutSongs.com. And for even more content and access to the Mastas Happy Hour, become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash Mastas. Thanks for listening. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube